Happy Easter. My name is Mark Rowland. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at Anderson Hills United Methodist Church, and, and thanks for watching our live stream. I hope you and your family have a, a blessed day. Well, what's one of your um, biggest fears? Right now, a lot of us are fearing germs <laughs> for a lot of good reasons. There's been a couple times during this pandemic that I have woken up in the morning and thought to myself, you know what, maybe today, maybe today I'm just going to stay in bed. <laughs> fear can do a lot of things to you. And there's a lot of things that people fear. Uh, fear of flying, fear of public speaking. Did you know there's even a, a fear of fear? It's called phobophobia. Maybe what you fear today is, is a bit more serious. Maybe it's a, a financial concern. Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe it's a, a relational concern. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your parents. But Max Lucado says that fear will always knock at your door. <laughs> Just don't let it in. For most people, the biggest fear that we have is the fear of death, the fear of dying. You ever thought maybe that death was imminent? Uh, my father was a World War II naval pilot, and he was involved in a mid-air collision during a training exercise. He was the only one out of four to parachute to safety. Uh, that day, that parachute ripcord hangs on the wall of my house. It reminds me every time I see it that I almost didn't happen. <laughs> that near-death experience had a, had a big effect upon him. Thank God I've never had an experience like that. There was a time once I was driving home from seminary with a friend, David Ashworth, and it was on a four-lane road, and there was a crossroad coming up ahead with a car getting ready to cross over and merge into what I assumed would be the left lane. But instead, they merged into our lane, and I slammed on the brakes, and I, I swerved to miss the car. I spun it sideways and, and into this gravel berm, and we finally came to a stop just short of this big pole. I was grateful to God that we were safe. And it also slowed my driving down just a little bit. And I'm sure that all of us can, can share similar stories. And such events are reminders that, that life is fragile. But the bigger truth is that we're all terminal. None of us are getting off of this planet alive. And though we try to ignore it, though we try to pretend it's not so, deep in our hearts, we know it's true, and we fear it. Now, fear can be a good thing when we need to act quickly. It causes the, the release of hormones and, and shuts down those non-essential functions and increases the heart rate and the blood flow to the muscles. And it helps stimulate that part of our brain that helps us to focus and and to store away those fear-induced memories so that we don't forget them. So sometimes we need to allow fear to do its work, you know, to uh, alert us to danger, to, to manage our money well for retirement or to keep our kids protected. Fear can be a good thing, but constant fear is a horrible thing. It affects our, our, our brain function, making it hard to regulate our emotions and, and decision-making abilities. It can lead to post-traumatic stress syndrome and depression. It weakens our immune system, our cardiovascular and, 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 and digestive system, and, 
can lead to fatigue and, and premature aging and, and even death. Fear can kill you. A former Duke Divinity professor, Stanley Hauervoss, said that our entire culture is shaped by our fear of death. Now, fear seems like an unusual topic for Easter. We usually associate Easter with, with happy feelings and faces and church services and, and Easter hymns and tulips and chocolate bunnies and, and new Easter outfits and, and family gatherings. But I want you to listen as I read the story of that first Easter from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, and you will hear the sound of fear. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped and then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. You see, this, this story has fear written all over it. And it begins in, in darkness in a cemetery. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a cemetery at dark. An earthquake shakes the place, and then a heavenly being appears that is so frightening that Matthew reports the guards shook with fear and became like dead men. In other words, they passed out. <laughs> they fainted. Now, folks, these are combat-ready Roman soldiers. They faced death all the time. It would take a lot to make them pass out with fear. And the first thing the angel had to say to the women was, don't be afraid. And listen again to what Matthew says about the emotional state of these women in verse 8. He says, afraid and yet filled with joy. I wonder how those two emotions coexist in the same person. But maybe you can think of times when, when joy and, and fear were both present. Maybe it was the birth of your first child and, and you were so excited about this and you were also fearful thinking, I have no idea how to raise a child, fear. Or maybe it was the first job. I can remember how excited I was to get out of school and, and get a paycheck. But I'll tell you, when I had to do that first wedding, that first funeral, or the first time I ever preached, I can tell you I was filled with fear. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So you can have both emotions at the same time. So why am I talking about fear on this happy day? 
because Easter can help us deal with our fear of dying. Stephen Colbert was interviewing the actress Amanda Peet on his late night show. And he asked her if she had any midlife crisis at turning 40. And she responded, yes, she said, I, I do. I, I fear death. And Colbert responded, okay, well, let's keep it light. We all die. Maybe, maybe you'll go to heaven. And Amanda replied, that's where I need your help. And Colbert responded, what do you believe? She said, I need to know what to believe in. And he replied, like, what happens when you die? She said, yeah. She said, I don't want to be a bag of dust. And Stephen replied, well, I don't know. I, I don't know what happens. I, I kind of believe. I, I kind of want to believe in those pearly gates and all that. And Amanda replied, you kind of believe? That's not very inspirational. <laughs> yeah. It's not very inspirational. But Easter answers Amanda's question. This life is not the end. You don't have to end up being a bag of dust. Jesus said, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You see, God has a place for me. When things get unbearable in my life, I need to remember that heaven is my final home. You see, heaven is my ultimate hope. Uh, St. Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that if our hope is just in this life alone, we are almost to be pitied. You see, there's more to life than just the here and now. Now, I know it's not real popular uh, to talk about heaven these days. It's kind of seen as pie in the sky that, that, that detracts us from dealing with real-life issues here on earth. I find about the only time that I preach on heaven is at a funeral. But it is the hope of heaven that brings perspective to life here on earth. You see, only the hope of heaven can truly move our passions off of things, which God knows full well is not going to satisfy us anyway. When it finally hits you that, that all the money, all the wealth, all the power, all the prestige, all the popularity, that, that big house and that big car will never truly satisfy you, only then will you begin to understand what life on this planet is all about. When things don't go your way, when you realize that your dreams may not come true, when you experience a, a broken heart, then you'll be on that road to true contentment. We ask less of this life because we know full well that more is coming in the next. And so I've become convinced that our hardships and our heartaches make us want to go there, that broken homes and broken bodies and broken hearts serve to crush the illusion that earth can ever truly satisfy us, that earth can ever keep its promises because it cannot. But heaven will. Heaven is meant to bless your path today and to be a, a source of encouragement in the midst of your headaches and heartaches. And if we're faithful to the Lord Jesus down here on earth, he's going to be so faithful in sharing his highest glory with us in heaven.
But not only that, Easter gives us hope when we lose somebody that, that we love. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is answering a, a question about uh, those believers who have died since the resurrection. And some of the Thessalonians seemed unsure of, of where their deceased loved ones were. Perhaps they thought that, that all Christians would li live until the second coming. What would happen to them now that, that Jesus had not returned? And so Paul writes this, the Apostle Paul, he writes, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so the great apostle tells them that because Jesus died and rose again, their loved ones will live on. We don't grieve as people without hope. Yeah, we grieve for our loved ones. That's normal and, and natural, and it's even good. But we have something that the rest of humankind doesn't have. We have hope that is rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection promises us that there will be a reunion. I know when, when someone passes, I hear this more than anything else. They'll say, you know, Pastor, my loved one is now reunited with a, with a spouse or a parent or a, a child or another loved one. And that's comforting. I remember once I, I had a woman in, in another church, uh, an older woman, who insisted that there wouldn't be any reunions in heaven because we wouldn't be able to recognize each other. And I used to wonder why she was so adamant about that. I began to wonder if maybe there was someone, someone in heaven that she really didn't want to see <laughs> when she died. <laughs> and so one day I was convinced, or one day I was going to go and convince her uh, uh, otherwise. And so I explained to her that, that Peter and James and John seemed to recognize Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration when they were talking with Jesus. And, and while the disciples did seem to have trouble at first recognizing Jesus after the resurrection, they finally did. And, and, and how Matthew records that after Jesus died, Holy people who had died walked into Jerusalem and, and began to talk with the people there. It seems pretty convincing to me. I, I think I convinced her, but maybe she just was hoping that she could get rid of me by agreeing with me. Of course, I, I look to being reunited with my loved ones, but even more than that, I look forward to being reunited with my Savior, Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. That, that Easter not only helps us with the fear of death, it helps us with the fear of living. Because a lot of us fear that. You see, the resurrection gives our life meaning and purpose. Uh, the biggest issue that most young people ask is, what's the meaning of my life? It's a huge question that all of us have to come to grip with. And, and it was that question that, that led me to faith in Christ at the age of 19. Several months ago, I had a guy follow me on Twitter. I didn't recognize his name, and it's not like I have a huge following on Twitter, just some friends and family. But his name was Sigard, and I noticed that he lived near Baltimore, that he was a, a United Methodist, and that he was a scientist. In fact, he had a, a Ph.D. in biochemistry and molecular biology and had taught at New York University, the University of Pittsburgh and, and Rutgers. And so I followed him back, and then a few weeks uh, later, he sent me a message. He wanted to send me a copy of his book and would I like it signed. And I love free books, so I said yes, and I started reading his book. 
It's a fascinating story. You see, Sai was born into a, a family of left-wing radicals. His, his parents were, were members of, of the American Communist Party. And, and they indoctrinated him in the dogmas of communism and atheism. But his father gave him this love of science and reason and the importance of asking good questions. And so he started to ask those questions. Questions like, if humans were a blind product of evolutionary chance with no special purpose or significance, and how could the, the stated goals of communism to advance human dignity and value make any sense? <laughs> and if Christianity was really a, a, a terrible evil, then why were there so many good things being done by, by Christians? And he began to wonder if there might be something more to human existence than, than science and pure reason. Now, he knew that evolution was true, and the Bible, which he had never read, was false. He knew that God was a, a fairy tale and that science held the key to unlock all the mysteries of life. But could science tell him where the universe came from or how life began? Or even the biggest question, what does it mean to be human? Then he attended church for the very first time in his life, and to his surprise, he liked it. There was no thundering condemnation of sinners. The pastor spoke of, of the power of love, and the people were kind, and, and it was such a beautiful thing that he decided that he would go back again. And then he began to read the Gospels. He found them inspiring and, and, and believable, not concocted to enslave the masses as he had been taught. And yet still, Sai feared it was a trap. He didn't want to be fooled into believing a myth. And so for several years, he remained stuck in that place of indecision. Until one day, he was, he was driving down the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And he turned on the radio, and there was a radio preacher. And normally, he would have turned it off, but... He was mesmerized by the preacher, and he continued to listen to this message of hope. He continued on to, to drive in the silent darkness until something unexplainable began to happen. He pulled the car over to the shoulder of the road, and he began to cry. I mean, really cry. And he began to say between sobs, Thank you, Lord. I believe and I am saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. No more doubts, no more hesitations, just joy and release. And from that day onward, his purpose in life has been based on the joyful service of the Lord. It's a great story. And I asked Sai if he would just take a moment and say hi to us on Easter in the morning. I want you to watch this. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Our Lord Jesus Christ is risen today. My name is Cy Gart. I'm a retired scientist, research biochemist, and also a converted atheist. I thank God every day for his mercy in bringing me to faith in Jesus Christ. My life is now devoted to bringing the good news of the communion between science and Christian faith to all. Jesus can change lives. Listen again, verse 8. So the women 
hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran. They ran with fear and joy because they discovered a God who brings hope where there is hopelessness, joy where there is sorrow, peace where there is strife, love where there is hate, faith where there is doubt. You see, when God comes onto the scene, there is this radical reversal the God takes the wasteland of our lives. He takes the disappointments, the sufferings, and our failures and, our, and transforms them by his very presence into joy. My friends, we can't control the virus. We can't control our health. We can't control the stock market. But we can control our attitude, and we can put our trust in Christ, and we can say, God, I can't see how any of this is going to be worked out, but as I trust you each day, I am free to determine my attitude. Help me to rejoice in you always. I'll tell you, there were so many things I had planned to happen this spring. None of them are going to be able to happen. <laughs> but here's what I've learned. Some of the best things in my life didn't come about because of my careful planning. Trust in him. Several years ago, there was a terrifying ordeal of Ashley Smith. She was kidnapped and held hostage by a man named Brian Nichols after he went on a shooting rampage in an Atlanta mall courthouse, I'm sorry. And staying calm, she began to read to Nichols chapter 33 from The Purpose Driven Life, written by Rick Warren. And she used that book to explain to Nichols that God had a purpose for his life, a message that eventually led to his surrender. You see, if God has a purpose for this man's sorry life, then most certainly he has a purpose for you and for me. Jesus gave a message to the two Marys. Go and tell my brothers, he has risen from the dead, and is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see me. And Mary runs back to the rest, and she says, I have seen the Lord. And they go to Galilee, and, and Jesus is there waiting for them. And he gives them a new mission. He gives them a new purpose. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always even to the end of the age. My friends, I am standing before you today with the same message. I have seen the Lord, and he is alive, and he has a purpose for your life too. You no longer need to be afraid of death, and you no longer need to be afraid of living. Maybe you're filled with fear today. I want to tell you that the resurrection has made all the difference in the world. It has changed so many lives. It's changed my life. It changed Sai's life, and it can change your life as well. And so today on this Easter Sunday, I want to extend to each and every one of you an invitation to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And as we close in prayer, ask Christ to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins, to help you be the kind of man or woman that you always wanted to be, and to give you freedom from all of your fears. He can do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, you died and you rose again. And because of the resurrection, God, we no longer need fear life. We no longer fear death. 
Come into our lives, forgive us our sins, wash us clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Help us to experience that new life that comes when we confess you as Savior and Lord. Change us, God. Give us that new life. Give us our own Easter resurrection right now, we pray, as we put our trust and our faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.